Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Fabulous. That's good. You guys look amazing. Um, hmm. So we might as well just get right into it. So if you'd like to join me in this beautiful, beautiful centering prayer of coming home to ourselves today, I ask that you close your eyes, get comfortable. You can face your palms up to receive the beautiful light of God. You can face your palms down if you need a little bit of grounding. Full moon is in Cancer, by the way. (laughs) So it's a little bit of an emotional time, but it is a great time to release and let go of what no longer serves us. And as we do so, we come home to ourselves every moment of every day And we can do so by coming home to our breath, that beautiful life force energy that allowed us to enter this world. It is that beautiful energy that sticks with us until we take our very last breath and we transition into a different plane. So this breath has been with you every moment of every single day. And sometimes we forget that we have this beautiful, beautiful guide, this life force that flows through us, that never leaves our side. It is that God that is within, that is allowing every single piece of the puzzle to come together. Without effort, we don't need to ask this breath to do its job. We don't need to ask this breath to make our hearts beat. It just does. And so when you're in the middle of an emotional storm, when your mind is facing chaos, when you're in the middle of anxiety or you're facing some sort of trial, tribulation, when you're in those moments, when you're on your hands and your knees and you're begging God for a sign, It is already within you. And you can come home to this beautiful part of you through the breath. All of the answers that you seek are within you. Yes, we can go outside for resources, but at the end of the day, we go back within for the healing, for the love, for the happiness, for the joy. And so I want us to take a deep inhale in through the nose. 
and we let go as we audibly exhale through the mouth. And as you consciously breathe in this moment, allow the light of God to open your heart, your mind, your body, your soul. So take a deep inhale through the nose, and together we audibly exhale through the mouth. Beautiful. Deep inhale through the nose. Envision these tears, these emotions that no longer serve us. We let go of it as we audibly exhale through the mouth. Deep inhale, invite peace into this moment. Invite answers into this moment. A lot of us are walking around with questions on our heart that we seek answers to. In this moment, as we use the breath to guide us, I want you to bring that question to the forefront of your mind. I'm going to breathe life onto this question until we receive the answer and it comes from within. So deep inhale through the nose and let go. Let it all go. Open your minds with this breath. Open your heart with this breath and your soul. And we deep inhale. And we let go. Feel your body calm. Feel your shoulders drop. deeply inhale this love and this peace and this light of God and we let go of all that no longer serves us as we start this new week <sighs> create the space within you to allow God's light in so you may receive the answer to the question that is on your heart. As we inhale, imagine a light, a bright white light entering your nose, entering your nostrils. Allow it to sit in the middle of your forehead. Send it all the way down the spine. And we exhale down to the toes. And we'll do that again. Deep inhale, inhale this bright white light. Feel as this light heals all parts of you. Allow it to sit in the middle of the forehead. 
and we send this light down the spine all the way down to the toes and you exhale all that no longer serves you if you're holding on to uncried tears I invite you into this safe space to let go to open your heart and allow the light of God to enter your heart and heal any brokenness, any fragments. Deep inhale. Deep exhale, feel your body as it floats. As you enter a state of bliss and peace. Deep inhale all the way through the entire body. Feel the body completely calm. You are home. And we affirm to ourselves, I am home. Home lives within you. Deep inhale, breathe into this peace, breathe into this light, breathe into this love. Bring that question to the forefront of your mind once again. Ask God, where do you want me to go next with this? And we breathe. And we let go. And we inhale. And we create space. We affirm everything I ever need is within me. Everything that I need is within me. Say it to yourself internally or externally. Everything that I need is found within me. Deep inhale through the nose. Allow the light to fill your body, your soul. Let go. Are you holding on to any anger, resentment, fear? These feelings are valid, but the energy no longer serves us. And so we let go. Allow yourself to just let go. Invite peace into your heart. And as you keep breathing, awaken to the world around you. 
There is a universe outside your door waiting to touch you, soothe you, heal you. There is an entire world out there waiting to help you open your heart and nurture your soul. The universe wants to teach you things. It wants to show you things, help you come more alive than you've ever been before. Open your eyes, open your senses, open your heart. Walk out your door and look around. You will be shown, you will be guided. Your heart will lead you to what you need. Listen, look, feel. You are connected to the universe. Let the universe bring you all the healing you need. Let the universe bring you alive. Awaken to the world around you and you will awaken to yourself. Everything you need is already within you, my friends. And we take one more inhale. And just want you to hold this breath in for a moment. Five, four, three, two, let go. And when you're ready, you may Open your eyes, move your fingers, your toes. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you. Look at these questions. This is awesome. Great. Man, I'm so happy to do this. We're, we're uh, oh, one more? Come on, bring it up. So we have intentionally called this Q&R, which stands for question and response, because I'm not the answer man, okay? I'm not some expert that knows all of the secrets to the universe. I actually hope that through interacting with you like this, I can help you understand how not knowing is literally the whole thing. So we're just gonna explore, I'm just gonna respond. Nothing that I say is absolute, nothing that I say is final. I see myself more as like a guide. Anybody ever been to you know, a, a tour before and a guide takes you around and they're, they're showing you the beautiful things in nature around you? Maybe you've had the experience, I haven't. I've never been on a tour with a guide that has made me look at the guide and be like, oh my God, you're incredible as he's speaking about the mountain behind him. I'm not looking at the guide saying, oh my gosh, you're, you're so articulate and you're so incredibly gifted and how do you know all this knowledge? No, he's pointing me to something and helping me enhance my experience of that. The tour guide is not the point. I'm pointing you to something, okay? So that's all I'm here to do. I... There have been many territories that I have yet to explore myself. Okay, so you may have a lot more experience in certain areas than I do. 
So this isn't about final answers. It's just about having a good discussion, okay? It's funny because one of the degrees that you can earn in seminary school where you go to study uh, theology and philosophy is a master of divinity. And it's like we laugh a lot at just that phrase (laughs) because if you think that you've mastered divinity, you're an idiot. It's literally impossible. You cannot master divinity. You can be mastered by the divine, but you don't master divinity. Okay, so I come humbly before you. Now, let's have fun. Let's see what we got here, guys. What? No, we should be fine. Okay, how do we balance going with the flow of change, God's plan, while simultaneously trying to plan for the future, I feel like they, I feel like this is contradicting something of the sort. How do we balance going with the flow of change while simultaneously trying to plan for the future? Well, you make your plans, but you don't attach yourself to them. Planning is a wonderful thing to do. We have to make plans. Planning is a part of life. But when you become attached to your plan, when things don't go according to your plan, then what? We make our plans. God laughs at the plans. That's really how it works. So by all means, plan. Just don't become attached to your plans because more often than not, it doesn't go according to your plan and that's actually a good thing. Can you imagine if everything went according to your plan? (laughs) You trust a lot in your plans. I don't know why, because time after time, our plans never go the way that we think they should and thank goodness, most of the time when they don't go the way we want them to, they come out better. So plan, sure, if it makes you feel better. It's like I I was at dinner the other night with a friend, and she asked me, so what's next for you? (laughs) What's next? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not very ambitious. You know, and like, you know, I was saying this to a woman. I I have to learn how to interact because, (laughs) you know, I, but it was the truth. It's like, listen, I, I, I'm not very ambitious. I'm not thinking a lot about what's next. My, the whole thing is to be here, literally. So we can dream and plan. It's like I've been having conversations with Phil about Hartway. Phil's like, bro, we need like a vision. We gotta have a direction. We need to go somewhere. I'm gonna help you do this so that we can take people somewhere. I'm like, okay, I'm just wandering. And I, I thought this was just a group of wanderers and we're just, just kind of looking around. I don't know where I'm going. I really don't. And you don't either. Even when you think you do know where you're going, you don't know where you're going. Because you can think my life is headed in this direction, and in a moment, everything changes. In a moment. No expectations. I place no expectations on life. Whatever life brings to me is what I want. And then you, that's how you flow with the change. And you make the plans that you need to, but you hold those plans with an open hand instead of a closed fist. That was a really good question.
Okay. How do you deal with being alone? Patience, codependency, trust, self-love. How do you deal with being alone? Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I feel this question especially uh, more succinctly because of the season of life that I'm in being recently divorced. And it's funny because when I was married to Emily, it was like if she would go away on a trip or something, I was so happy that I was alone. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got it like alone time. I get to chill. Like we're together so much. And now that like I don't have somebody there I'm, and I'm alone all the time, I'm like, it'd be nice to have somebody around, you know. It's gotta... Thank God for dogs. Dogs help when it comes to being alone. But I'll never forget a quote that I heard a long time ago from a monk who said, if you want to live at peace in this world, you have to live as if only you and God are in this world. The journey of spirituality is about being alone. There's something that only solitude can teach you about you. And you cannot understand what is there for you unless you experience it. This doesn't mean I don't have a partner. You can be alone within yourself with people around you. What that means is, like for me right now, I understand that I'm only ever dealing with what's happening in my mind. I'm not thinking about what you're thinking about me. I'm not in your business. I'm just minding my own business. There's a teacher who explains it like this. There's three kinds of business. Your business, their business, and God's business. If you want peace, stay in your own business. Don't be in other people's business. So being alone is just about being in your own business. Not concerning yourself with other people's business, what they do or don't do, what they say or don't say, the decisions that they made. Not to be concerned with God's business. When things happen in life, there's sudden shifts and changes. Thinking about why God is allowing this to happen and being all up in God's business. Just stick to your business. What I learn being married is that it only takes one person to be happy in a relationship. And that person is you. I went to the gym shortly after everything had happened with the divorce. And there was a guy who came up to me and said, uh, oh, how's your wife? I'm like, you know, I, <laughs> I'm divorced. And he's like, oh, my God. He, he didn't know how to respond. And I, I was like, bro, it's OK. It's fine. And he's like, are, I don't get it. Like, are you, are you happier now? And I said, no, I'm just as happy now as I was then. I'm just as happy as now as I was then. The point of me saying that is happiness is an inside job. And you can be happy with you. And you can be happy within yourself. And that has nothing to do with other people and what they do or don't do, what they think about you, what they don't think about you. And if you can learn how to be happy with yourself, if you can learn how to be alone, at peace with yourself, and that is not attached to anything outside of you, then whoever comes, whoever goes, whatever happens, whatever doesn't happen, 
You're good. You're rooted. So being alone is difficult. Why? Because we have to face ourselves. We don't want to deal with our business. We rather forget our business and just like drink or give ourselves over to pleasure and just forget about it, not deal with it. Deal with it. Sit with it. If you run away from it, it's just going to continue to chase you and follow you. So you deal with being alone by being alone. And as difficult as that may be, you allow yourself to experience that. And if you can't handle everything that your mind is throwing at you all at once, go get some help. It's a great thing to do to go see a therapist. You can call me. You may have a mentor or somebody in your life, a best friend maybe that just listens to you. Whatever it is. But being alone, that's, that's the whole thing. And really, when you understand that everybody is your mirror, when you understand that everybody is just a reflection of you, you are alone anyways. You're, you're alone anyways. All you have is you anyways. Because you're the one that has to deal with what's in your mind. It's you and your thoughts. That's it. Wherever you go in life, it's just you and your thoughts. That's what it means to be alone. It's just you with your thoughts. Where do you see the deepest need for service in our community? Homeless, addicted, trauma. Wow, yeah. I, don't, I mean, there's so much need right now. I, you know, I'm working in hospice. I was doing um, work with the homeless. We have a lot of people here that are connected to a rehab center who come to our services every Sunday, and they've been coming for years. I don't know what the area of most need is. I think, honestly, you know, what we're doing here, having conversations about self-discovery, having conversations about loving yourself, having conversations about knowing and understanding who you are is intrinsically connected to social issues and problems. And if we can fix things at this level, things will get fixed on the periphery as well. Let's see here. How can someone re-transform their life? <laughs> wow. Where do you even begin? Yeah. Heartway is a good start for sure. I'm less concerned these days with transforming myself and more concerned with understanding myself. Okay, because we try really hard to change ourselves. And how successful are we really at doing that? Right? We try to change ourselves. But what ends up happening is we start developing guilt. We start developing shame because we're not moving at the pace that we thought we should be moving, or maybe we think we should be more advanced than we actually are, and so we start pretending. A lot of baggage can come from trying to take control of your own transformation. God is the one that transforms you. You just open your heart to allow that transformation to happen. So if you focus on loving you and understanding you, God will focus on changing you. And you can leave the results of your spiritual transformation into God's hands. 
Because if not, we start using the wrong metrics. And we start thinking sometimes because we operate in a certain way that we're better than other people who don't. It gets really, the ego jumps in very subtly when it comes to spiritual transformation. We like to start taking credit for it. We like to think that we're the ones in charge of the process. That's how you become self-righteous. That's how you lose sight of what the whole thing is all about. So if you want to transform yourself, don't really worry about transforming yourself. <laughs> Focus on getting to know yourself. That's what love is. It's just being understanding. Love is being understanding. So if you can apply that to yourself. It's like I went to visit this family in their home not too long ago. There's an older gentleman who, towards the end of his life, and he sometimes stumbles and falls in his house. And when his daughter goes to help him up, he gets angry. He doesn't like that. I guess he just has this thing where he wants to do it himself. He doesn't want anybody to help him in life. And so his, his daughter tries to help her dad, who's in a situation where he could use all the help he can get. But every time she tries to help him, he gets angry with her and says mean things to her. So this poor lady's dealing with this. And I'm there at the house with the father, with the lady. And the woman, the daughter, as she was describing her dad to me, obviously, she was frustrated and a little annoyed at the fact that he's like this. And she's like, Pastor, maybe you can like just tell him that love is kind and that God wants you to be nice because, you know, it's really difficult dealing with my dad. But she loves him. She understands that this is how he is. And so she's patient with him. She sticks by his side. That's the kind of love that arises within you when you understand somebody. It's like this is just the way they are and there's an innocence to it. You're not holding them guilty for being the way they are. You understand why they are the way that they are. Love naturally, empathy naturally arises from that kind of understanding. Now apply that to yourself. If you can begin to just understand yourself you are literally a product of your environment. You are the way you are because of how you grew up, because of what you were around, because of the trauma you have experienced. It's like my dog, at one point when I first got her, a barbell fell on her, on her leg. We had to take her to the vet, do a whole surgery thing. She wore a cast. Now. All that happened was open the door of like a closet we had. This thing, barbell, fell on her. Oh, she was screaming. It was, it was so sad. Little Callie. <laughs> Anyways, that happened to her when she was like four months, five months. Now, anytime any little thing moves, she goes. <gasps> she's like, this. every time she's traumatized because she doesn't want to get hit again. Okay, you are little puppies like that. We're all little puppies like that. 
You know what I mean? Like we've been through some stuff, so we react certain ways. That's not something to blame yourself for. You've built certain habits over time because you learned how to cope with the stress of your life by doing those things. There's no guilt about it. There's no shame about it. Also, it's not just you. It's everybody. Everybody. As you begin to understand yourself and observe yourself, I like to use the terminology of third-person vantage point, third-person perspective. Take a third-person perspective on your life. Study yourself like a scientist studies, you know, anything. Neutrally. You're not making judgments. You're just observing. You're understanding. What arises from that understanding will be love, acceptance. Before you know it, you're going to be comfortable being yourself. And that's the greatest transformation anyone could ever experience. What kind of transformation are we trying to experience? What are you trying to be, an angel? I'm sorry to tell you, you're not going to be an angel. That's what happens with the religious people. They think the transformation means perfect morality. And you can't live up to that standard. So you're always going to be this sinner. And God's mad at you. And then you're ashamed your whole life. And then you repress your desires. And then you're a mess. It's my whole life. So transformation, okay, what do you mean transformation? You're going to be an angel? No. There is also a devil in you. And you got to learn how to love him and her too. Let me stop. How to feel worthy when you feel like a failure. Wow. How, how to feel worthy when you feel like a failure. Oh, man. Wow. Well, I can only speak from my experience. When I have felt like a failure, that has been attached to what other people think about me. Always. I don't know what it is for you. For me, when I have felt like a failure, it's been because I haven't lived up to the expectations that others have placed on me or the expectations that I have placed on myself. But the reason why I place those expectations on myself is because I care about what these people think about me. It's all connected. So, number one, there is no such thing as success without failure in every area of life, especially spiritually. You have to give yourself room to make mistakes. There has to be room for error. Otherwise, how do you learn? It's impossible to learn if you don't ever make any mistakes. You have to. You, and you already are doing it. Just let yourself do it. Let yourself make the mistake. Let yourself be human. So if you, if you failed in your estimation, let yourself be human. That's a part of it. Sometimes we fail at things. How we respond and learn and grow from that failure is what will determine if any sort of success comes from it. 
But success and failure go together. You literally can't have one without the other. Success is just learning how to fail well. All it is. This applies in everything, again, especially when it comes to spirituality. If you feel like a failure, it's because you care about the things that other people think about you and because you are placing unrealistic expectations on yourself as a result of being attached to those opinions of other people. So you begin to let go of that. And this is the difficult part. You, you have to be willing to be seen as a failure. So you, you're, we like to hold on to this image that we are a success. You know what I mean? I have to hold on to this image and other people have to see me live up to this image. And because my identity is attached to this image of being successful, what happens if people don't see me that way? Or if I don't live up to this, who am I? Suffering, 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 suffering. So this is a false sense of identity. That's the root of the whole thing. It is a false sense of identity. So if you don't have to be seen as a success, then you don't mind being seen as a failure. And I know we don't like to see this, but we don't like to hear this. But guess what? There's people who already think you're a failure anyways. And honestly, even if no one thinks you're a failure, you think you're a failure. Already. You're already living it. So let you, okay, I'm a failure. Woo. <laughs> I'm a failure. What's the problem? There's no problem. Do you believe in actual hell? Or is it more of a state that we put ourselves in through guilt and shame? I'll tell you the truth. Um, I don't really think about it. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> really. If you ask me, you know, do I think that there's a, a literal place with fire that people are going to go to after death? No, I don't think that. But I may be wrong. I don't know. I really don't know. God is the judge, and I will let God decide and do all of that too. I really don't care either. I really don't care. Like this person said, or is it more of a state that we put ourselves in through guilt and shame? Yeah. A lot of us are in hell right now. Like the, uh, the hell of our own making. And that's what we can do something about. We can deal with that. And heaven, there's, there's one uh, mystic in the Catholic tradition who said, it's heaven all the way to heaven. She was speaking of heaven as a state of mind. It's heaven all the way to heaven. So it's like you don't have to wait till after you die to experience heaven or hell. Like what is heaven? The presence of God. So it's only going to be more of the same because the whole earth is filled with his glory, the scripture says. You know, and even if I make my bed in Sheol, in the grave, the scriptures say, you are there. So it's the presence of God. That's heaven. And the presence is in you. That's heaven. Hell is when 
we don't see that we literally are in a, in a God-saturated world. We aren't capable of seeing that. Remember what happened in the first story of the scriptures. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. It was paradise. They were naked and unashamed. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happens with the knowledge of good and evil? We start to say, we start to judge, we start to declare that some things are good and some things are bad. That's hell. That's called duality. That's hell. Because we start making those judgments. What God has already declared is good. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then humanity decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now what God has called good, we begin to call evil. We begin to call bad. We do this in our life all the time. I lost my job. This is bad. Says who? You? Yeah, because you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's why you're not in paradise right now. Because the worst thing that's happening to you right now without this job is what you're thinking about yourself because you don't have the job. I'm a failure. You know, where's the money going to come from? That's God's business. Where the money's going to come from, where the next job's going to come from, when it's going to come, how, that's God's business. What other people think about you because you're dealing with all this, that's their business. Your business, to be at peace within yourself, to trust God, to be open. You, you take yourself out of heaven every time you judge. Every time you judge. That's why Jesus said, do not judge. It's literally the whole thing. If you can, if you can accept everything that life throws your way with openness, with no resistance, if you can accept everything that life brings to you with openness and no resistance, and if you can approach it neutrally without having to interpret the situation as good or bad, you're gonna, you, you will be at perfect peace no matter what. That's it. But we are meaning-making creatures. We, we literally have to, uh, the mind has to create meaning out of everything. That's what we do as human beings. Well, maybe you don't have to create meaning out of everything. Your mind is going to do it automatically, but you don't have to accept that as true. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it positive? Is it negative? Eh? Somebody in the back. Uh, not too long ago here was like, Danny, are you, are you a positive guy? I'm like, well, I'm more like a neutral guy. It's just neutral. It is what it is. That's peace. It is what it is. How do I build trust with someone again? Wow. Always a risk. Always a risk. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. I trust that people will be who they are. That's the only thing I can trust. I can't trust that this person is always going to 
please me. I can't trust that this person will always live up to my expectations of what I think a friend or a partner should be. I can't trust that. I can't trust that who this person is now is who they will be tomorrow. I can only trust myself. God. That's it. Trust in the way things are. That's faith. You trust in the way things are. So let's say you have an interaction with somebody. You build a relationship with somebody. And they betray you. They hurt you. They talk bad about you. Well, why do we put the expectation that they won't? Is that even realistic? You know what I mean? So if, if you can just trust people to be who they are and let them be who they are and be okay with that, that's it. That's, real, that's, that's all you could do. There's no guarantee that they won't leave you or they won't live up to your expectation. That's why I don't have any. The reality is, you are the only one that can hurt you. You know, you are the only one that can leave you. Even when people leave you, have they really left you, though? Because they're kind of in here. You know what I mean? You, le- you abandon yourself when you allow that to be a reflection of your self-worth. So how do you trust people again? Just trust them to be who they are. Freedom. Freedom. Give everybody freedom. People have a right to dislike me. People have a right to talk bad about me. Who am I to say otherwise? People have a right to no longer be my friend. They have a right to leave. That's nice. How can I help? Fill out a connect card. (laughs) Give money. (laughs) Very good. This is another another question along the lines of how you can help. We send emails every month. We do different outreach events. We do groups on Wednesday nights where we get to talk and share about our life story. We um, have like beautiful events like La Mesa where we go eat and have like social Uh, time with one another so there's so many ways to plug in you can serve just talk to me at the service or fill out a connect card and and we'll get get in contact with you very nice that you guys asked that question oh burial cremation planted into a tree how do you think your remains should be used after you pass whatever you guys want to do honestly (laughs) y'all feel free I mean you you know I have a married by Prada I was thinking of starting a buried byproduct because I do funerals too. <laughs> you know, I, that's a very personal question. I mean, are you asking like me what I want or what you should do? Because there's nothing you should do. I think it's cool if you become a tree. <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> or, you know, the cremation is cool, I guess. All right. How do you define your purpose and live in it fully? 
So I borrow uh, from Eckhart Tolle when it comes to purpose. He speaks of outer purpose and inner purpose. Okay, our outer purpose is different. Everybody's outer purpose is different. It's the work that you're here to do in the world. And that's very specific to your gift set. That's very specific to your personality, your desires, your likes and dislikes. Our inner purpose is to know God and to know ourselves. Our inner purpose is presence, to be here now. Our inner purpose is to wake up to who we really are. Our inner purpose is love. These are all many different ways of saying the same thing. Our inner purpose is to be one with God and with one another. That is our inner purpose. Your true purpose is to be right here, right now, where you are doing exactly what you're doing. How could it be anything else? You're here. This is, this is where God has you. This is your purpose. Sometimes we get really stressed out trying to think about like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? My purpose. I don't feel like my life has any purpose. You bring the purpose. Maybe if, if you're having a hard time finding what your purpose is, instead of trying to find what your one purpose is, why don't you bring purpose into everything that you do? You bring it into every. Make what you're doing meaningful. And what better way than by doing it with love? As the scriptures say, doing it as unto God. To let everything that you do be an expression of your communion with God. That's how you live in your purpose and do it fully. Let's see, maybe like eight more minutes. How are we able to implement more of the esoteric passage of Christ and scripture in sermons or small groups? Well, I don't know what you mean by the esoteric passage of Christ. Um, so I don't know how to answer that question, but um, I'm, I'm influenced by the mystic stream of Christianity. And oftentimes, you know, that word esoteric is used uh, in conjunction with mysticism, and mysticism is just about the experience of God. So a lot of us are used to a form of religion that is about dogma and doctrine and, and belief. Um, mysticism is about, it's about love. It's about life becoming a prayer. It's, a, it's losing yourself in this love affair with God and life. It's a whole different thing than like religion, which is about right or wrong beliefs and moral ethical codes. This is, this is about surrender. Mysticism is about releasing control, losing yourself in God so that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of perceiving. Um, and that makes its way into everything that I, that's, I mean, that's really the only reason why religion is useful to me. I feel like the heart of religion is mysticism. It's spirituality. That's the heart of the whole thing. Okay, let's see this. Trying to calm down my anxiety. Wow. 
trying to calm down my anxiety. Well, there's a lot of practical things we can do, like you've been saying. Yoga, meditate, do all these things. If you really want to get to, because that's kind of like a Band-Aid, and that's helpful, very helpful to use those. Sometimes you need a Band-Aid. But sometimes when you try and calm your anxiety, you just agitate it more. You, instead of trying to calm your anxiety, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let it be there. Feel it. Don't attach a story to it. Don't try and narrate it. Let the anxiety be there. Watch it. Observe it. Every feeling is temporary. Emotion literally means energy in motion. It's in motion. The reason why we get stuck with anxiety, we get stuck with the despair and the discouragement is because we're clinging to it. We don't realize we're clinging to it. We don't want it there. So some of you may be thinking, how am I clinging to it? Because you're fighting it, because you have a problem with it. You're, you're resisting the anxiety. And so it stays there. You're giving it power as you do that, as you try and make it go away. So to calm your anxiety, stop trying to calm your anxiety. Just let it be there. And it will calm itself. And this is something that you have to practice. You have to practice this. Am I good? What? Sure. Absolutely. 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 She said, for some people, medication may be helpful to calm your anxiety. Absolutely. Use every tool at your disposal. By all means. And you know what? Sometimes it is good and helpful to just like, do something to get your mind off of it, you know? I think it's understanding what anxiety is. Yes. And like from, can I say? Oh, from like what I understand, anxiety and depression, anxiety is when you're living so like forward in the future that you're not present. You're mm -hmm. so worried about the future. And depression, from what I understand and I've read, is when you're living in the past and you're trying to redo the past. Mm -hmm. so maybe I love it. I love it. That's it. <sighs> she already said it. it's too late, man. Last question. <laughs> but next time we'll have a mic out here for sure, so we can, you know, I, I, I welcome your interaction too. Okay. How can I put myself first, but still love, and give my all? How can I put myself first? and still love and give my all. You know, for me, those aren't two contradictory things. Those aren't two contradictory things. When you're in an airplane and they teach you about the oxygen mask, what do they say? You put it on yourself first, then you help other people. Because if you can't breathe, how are you gonna help somebody else breathe? So like I've said before, the best thing that I can do for you is to work on me. The best thing you can do for me is to work on you. So by all means, 
Put yourself first. Don't do things just for other people because is it really love if you're doing it just to elicit a response from someone else? If I'm doing something because I want to please you, there's something in it for me. How you're going to see me because of how I'm pleasing you. It may be the most selfless thing in the world to actually just please yourself. What I mean by that is if what you do, you do for the sake of the pleasure that it brings you, that is a pure intention. You understand? So I'm going to treat you kind. I'm going to do good by you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to respect and honor you because it's who I am, because I take pleasure in doing that. In that scenario, me pleasing me and putting myself first is the most loving thing I can do towards that other person because if I try and please them because I want something from them in return, what happens when I don't get that? And we do this to each other all the time. I give, I've given up so much. I've, I've sacrificed so much for this person. I love this person so much. I've done this, this, that, or the other, and they don't do anything in return. Now you're keeping a list, checking it twice. Look at all. Now it's like, wait, were you really genuinely just loving me, helping me, trying to be kind to me? Or were you doing this because you were trying to get something out of it? So it's connected. Putting yourself first and loving yourself is how you love other people. All right, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Wonderful. And look, we have like more questions. Honestly, I kind of prefer doing this than sharing messages, but we won't switch to this only. But I do want to kind of incorporate this more. Maybe we'll do like once a month if everybody's cool with that. And as you think of questions, we'll have opportunities for you online to uh, enter those questions as well as on Sunday morning. And for me, like my whole thing ever since I started Heartway was I wanted my communication style to be as natural and as authentic as possible, which is why I love that we're doing this, because how, how much more authentic can it get than this? Just a question and a, and a response <laughs> that is not planned. So I hope that we'll be able to connect at a deeper level and that you will be impacted at a deeper level as a result of doing these moving forward in 2022. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get out of here. God, you are our strength, you are our comfort, you are our power, and we look to you to fill our hearts with your love and with your peace so as that we go about this week, we can remain rooted and anchored in the truth of who you are and who you have created us to be. Help us to develop faith, to trust in you and in ourselves, and to release control into your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. See ya. Anniversary next week. <laughs>